Cookbook authors often talk about wanting to inspire people to head to the kitchen and discover the joy of cooking. But today's guest sets her intention beyond the kitchen. She wants her words to inspire us to discover our dreams, to spread our wings and fly. Welcome to Everything Cookbooks, the podcast for writers, readers, and cooks. This is Molly Stevens, and I'm here with Kate Leahy. Kate, I have a question that I'm really curious about. When you pick up a cookbook for the first time, where do you start? What are the elements you look at? What's your process? I think something that cookbook geeks like us do is that we look at the acknowledgments page. Mm-hmm. You know, who is involved in making this book? Yeah, it's a little nosy. A little nosy. Like, I want to know who the yeah, agent yeah, yeah, yeah. was. I want to know who the food stylist was. And so sometimes I'll read the acknowledgments. I'll read and see if there's any dedication. What do you do? It's funny. I I think I like pick it up and sort of feel it like I want to I really care about the cover and the weight and the paper. But I'm with you. I I, I think it is a cookbook geeky thing to look at the acknowledgments. And it's like, oh, do I know anybody who worked on the book or and you also learn about the process. But I also think dedications and not every book has a dedication. But I will often flip to like the title page and the cover page and the credits. And that's often where the dedication will be. Speaking of dedications, can we talk about the one that our guest, Toya Bodhi, wrote in her new book, Cooking for the Culture. This dedication stopped me in my tracks. I don't think I've read a dedication like this in front of a cookbook, maybe ever. And we'll read a little excerpt from it because it really shows the generosity of this new book and just how the author really wants to connect with the readers on a different level. It's not just giving you ideas for quick weeknight meals. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but this book really wants you to sort of take hold of your life and like live it to the fullest, really. Right. You think about you write a book. Well, of course, you're writing it for your readers to some extent, but dedication is often like, you know, for my mother or for, you know, which is something I've done. But Toya starts to her husband and business partner. But then the next part here, I'm just going to read just a part of it. To my readers, I created this to be a peek over the fence into my life and journey up till now. I want this to ignite many fires inside of you. I want to be so transparent that it makes you crave to look deeper into yourself. I want my execution and creativity to knock the dust off a dream waiting. I want my words to stick with you bubbling up when you need them most. Wow, that is so powerful, so direct, and also just so generous. Ambitious, too. I mean, that's yeah, you that's yeah. a lot to want your book to do. But anyways, so talk about igniting a fire. We read that and we immediately were like, we've got to have Toya on the podcast, especially because her book is just coming out. And um, we were really stoked. She said, yes, Toya Bodhi is a chef, a writer, a poet, an artist, a creative, a YouTube star, a culinary ambassador. She's been on food TV. She's a motivational speaker. I mean, the list goes on and on. And we just... Can't wait to talk to her about her new book that's just coming out in February. Toya, welcome to Everything Cookbooks. It is such a joy to meet you, and we're just thrilled to have you on the show today. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's so beautiful. You know, 
I want to jump right in. So in the introduction, I think it's to your sweets and sips. It's your last chapter. Mm-hmm. You describe your this new book as a journey through food and life lessons. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's almost like a memoir right. yep. with recipes in it. Yep. Was that the intention? Yes. Yes, that was the intention. I, I love even when I like normally like explain if someone says, how did you get this? I, I'm the type of person that I paint pictures with words because I'm a natural wordsmith. So I like to give people the full scope because when you don't give people the full scope, I found on this journey that I am particularly the type of person that people don't pay attention to how I got here. They just look at where I'm at and they think, oh my God. And I'm like, no, this was a very sticky and ugly journey. (laughs) Like it's not as pretty as it cleaned up to be. I wanted to just slice open a portion of my chest to just show people, inspire people. So it was, I wanted to have that there. Wow. When you set out, the idea was, as you just said, to weave together your journey and your recipes and not to present this like perfectly crafted. Mm-hmm. No, nope. there's even poems in this book. Oh, yeah. I started out right. as an artist, like in a city. That's how everybody. My stage name was T Church and people still refer to me as church. That's people knew me as an mm. artist, as a painter, as a poet. And that's how I really created a heavy buzz for myself in the world of arts in New Orleans. And no one knew I was in culinary school. You know, so I'm showing up to all these places. So like years later, when I announced myself as being a chef and showed that I graduated a whole bunch of stuff, people are like, what the hell? Where did this even come from? But, you know, it's in there because everything about me, all of those lanes, like my mother is more traditional. I didn't grow up in a conservative environment, but there's a lot of traditions and old school vibes. And Mm -hmm. my mother, one year, she told me, she said, now it all makes sense. Because at first it looked like I was just a flighty artist, you know, like I'm doing poems and I'm now I'm acting, I'm doing this, and doing that. And it's like now she sees that all of those things kind of just came together. And that's what you see right now. So like even in me just naturally speaking, Things that I say come off poetic without even trying, and my life just happened poetically. It's unreal. Even down to my professor having a very identical birthday timeline as my mother, you know, Hmm. or the girl who made me sign up for culinary school. She's exactly the same zodiac sign as my oldest sister who pushes me to do everything else spiritually. You know, so it was just like things Mm -hmm. just kind of wove in a way I couldn't ignore it. So I needed to share the full story so you can get the full impact because the purpose of telling you the full story is to make you look at your own life. Because in your own life, stuff happens poetically. You just don't tie in those pieces to see, you know? Right. Well, and one thing I wanted to ask is that, did you ever think I'm going to write a memoir where did, why, why did it have to be a cookbook? Because your stories, it does read like a memoir. I feel like I know you now after reading your book because of all these beautiful essays. Why were recipes important? Well, you know, my first cooking job in the city where I was cooking for tourists, this, this very well-known chef now, Chef Kevin Belton, I sat in his class after the interview. They said, okay, before you accept the job, I want you to come see this class. So, you know, and I sat in the class and the manager introduced me and I said, hey, and I was kind of, you know, I guess a little timid, which is rare for me. He looked at me and he said, food is a vehicle for you. This is just a car. And when Mm -hmm. he said that, I was like, well, 
chills. Because before that, my last semester of culinary school, I cried coming home because I was afraid I was going to be stuck in the kitchen. And I Mm. knew my gift was for the people. So after that happened, I began to respect the path more than try to control the path. I realized that a lot of my healing comes through food. I started seeing the response to people, how they react to me. And I pay attention to flows very closely because I feel like that's how you can tell what's going to happen next with life in a way. You know, you get context clues, just like a movie gives you a clue by switching the music. You know, somebody's going to die, you know. So Mm. the music was switching and I was paying attention. I was like, "Mm -hmm. this is going to be the vehicle, just how he said. Somehow life is going to figure out how to put me in the right position to it. And when I didn't want to do another cookbook. I did the first one because I just got released right. from Food Network Star and I was home. And after I came out of my little internal slum that comes from being judged in a very entertaining way, you know, and picked apart in an entertaining way. You're talking about being on the Food Network. Yeah. That experience. Yeah. Right. Food yeah. Ne- yeah. yeah. The food, next Food Network yeah. Star. That was that was a lot. I just came out the room and I told my husband, I said, Chris, I want to do a cookbook. And he was like, oh, okay, we'll start planning. I said, no, I want to do it before the show releases. And he thought Mm -hmm. about it and he said, that's three months. Okay, that's what I want to do. So that was Cooking Like a New Orleanian, 2017, your first book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It feels exactly how my YouTube channel feels. It doesn't display much personality. It gives you hard for 20 recipes, bam, try them and you're going to win. Right. So instructional and helpful and sort of more, I don't say standard. Nuts but and bolts. Oh, it's, yeah. it's for sure standard. Yeah. There was no touch of mine on right. the book. So this new book is all you. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. structure, I this is, I knew going into this, um, just from reading your book, that going into this interview, we could just go all sorts of directions, because as you say, that's how you flow. You you go from, you know, talking about rice and eggs to talking about growing up, working at the corner store. And it just, it, mm-hmm. it's seamless. And I'm, I'm just really curious about the structure. Thank you for saying seamless. That's a nice compliment. Oh, I couldn't put it down. Oh, yeah. are you serious, girl? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we couldn't man. figure out like which little quotes to pull out because there were so many. I mean, just the way I think there's one line where you describe your parents and it's something about and I'm not I don't have it in front of me, but it's something about like they're just like type A personalities and they just flow like a bicycle and a fine tuned bicycle, fine tuned bicycle. I mean, who thinks of that? These are amazing turns of phrases. And your book, every single headnote and essay and poem, it's all these amazing turns of phrases. And I have to say, you don't always get that in cookbooks. A lot of times you just go for nuts and bolts. I mean, this book makes you slow down and maybe you did go in for a recipe, but then you end up reading all these stories and learning about your journey, which you do. You you, you tell all the, the bumps in, along the way, but then you weave them in a way that makes it feel empowering for other people. So tell us about like, how did the book come together? Well, how the train started, I woke up one morning and... Chris, my husband and manager, he was running errands. He's about to go run errands. And he paused and he said, you need to start thinking about another cookbook. And I said, I'm not doing all the cookbook. I won't do mm. that. And I left it at that. And I got this call. New Orleans Magazine reached out to me to do like a recipe a month because they saw all the I, when the quarantine started, y'all. I thought, how can I help the people? They're going to be home. They're going to eat quick meals. So at least one thing could be right in a day. You know, and so I started chomping out content like uh, just a machine. 
you know, simple stuff, missing canned stuff, whatever, just to try to get these people to feel okay and have some sort of control of something that provoked them to make me want to ask me to, you know, hire me to do a recipe a month, a video. And this guy, Sam Hanna, the photographer came and they said, well, can he come to your house? I said, he can come in my house. You know, he came in with a book. And when he was leaving, I was walking to the car and he said, this is, I wanted to give you this. This is something I did. And I said, oh, okay. Okay. You know, this is nice. This is beautiful. I'm looking through it. And then he paused and that's when he threw his gauntlet down. He said, you know, you could do something like this. Mm. And I said, you know, I don't know if I want to do a cookbook, Sam, but if I do, I like the way you do stuff. So you'd be the person I pick. And I left it at that. Then about two weeks later, a literary friend we know, she calls me out the blue and she's like, I got this sneaky suspicion you're going to get a book deal soon. So if you do, I just can I help you write something or do something? Wow. And I said, girl, all right, if that's the case, because I feel like everybody's chasing me with it. So now the podcast comes into play and you see how it bounces around. It's like that's why I tell you the actual story so you can see how moments and events bounce around and seem disconnected, but they're really woven for you to really have a guide in the moment to know what's going on. So I get the feeling to like, I'm going to do a podcast. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to release it on December 3rd at three o'clock and I'm going to release three seasons with 33 episodes. I did the podcast in 17 days. I recorded all of them. All 33 wow. episodes. Yep. I had, wow. Wow. I, I bruised my esophagus after. <laughs> I had to go on voice rest for maybe a month. I couldn't speak without being in pain. And mm -hmm. I put it out there and it sounded crazy at first. You know, of course, my doctor thought, lady, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> so I put it out. And guess what? At 11 o'clock at night on December 3rd, I got an email from my agent. Well, now my now agent asking me if I wanted to talk about getting a book deal. She got my name from someone and she said, man, this girl even has a podcast. You see mm -hmm. how obeying the floor and creating a mm -hmm. podcast was one of the reasons that made her feel like, now nah, we got to have her. Like she got everything right. set up. You know, so that's right. the reason why I had to do that. And it was all connected to the cookbook. I talked to her and at the end, I said, I feel like this is destined. So I'm good. And I said, we have a good jail. When's your birthday? And she said, November 3rd. Did I release three seasons and 11 episodes each? And you contact me on December 3rd at 11 o'clock? I said, girl, we about to make so much money. I don't even know what to say to you. <laughs> and that night is when it was like a boom. Everything that you see in the book dropped in my mind. The cover, the content, the flow of the stories. I started seeing titles. Like it just started swarming in my mind where I had, it was like a wind. And I literally mapped the whole proposal out and everything. That cover that you see, I saw right. in my mind. Since this is audio, so we have to describe this cover is so dramatic. You're in a very strong, powerful, you know, your bicep is and your sleeve is rolled back and you are gripping. You're not holding. You are gripping a piece of watermelon. And you write about this photo and your mom was not on board. She thought it was a bad idea, right? 
I was writing content for these Black history classes, history on a plate, and I would teach Mm -hmm. these families how to cook historic meals and the reason why we make them and stuff like that, giving them background instead of just calling it Black people food or just calling it soul food or holiday food, just giving them the real about it. I came up with the end of the class. I said, I'm going to give these kids fun facts. And I created a jingle. It's just hilarious to me. Fun fact that you didn't know this was African. Yeah. And then I started talking (laughs) about different things. And my mother was in the hospital and I was just working because it was my turn to stay all day. And she was like, what you working on? I said, I'm doing these fun facts and whatever. And I said, you know, my cookbook. I'm going to have the watermelon on the cover. And she was like, she sat up. She in a hospital bed. Mm, wow. She said, no, Talia, no, no. And I said, my, listen. And I went to the bed and I told her everything about how majestic. And this woman knows life. And she was just like, she paused when I told her. I said, do you know that watermelon grows up into, in up to 85% sand? Africa? And you know mm. what mama said? Oh, that's got to be some rich sand. <laughs> That took away that thing. You know, we need to snatch this back. And, you know, she wasn't on board at first. And had a little bit of like, you know, people were unsure how people would respond to the cover. And I know that anybody can accept anything if it's presented right. With that, I wanted to, you know, not just for black culture, but for any other culture that's looked down upon and made fun of. Just like, man, taking that back. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted it to make people slightly uncomfortable. And I wanted people to get so uncomfortable that they have to look. And then after that, they realized what they thought was something that made them uncomfortable was really something that was beautiful. Yeah, your essay that goes along with it, as well as the recipe for fried chicken and watermelon jam, which is the head note. You talk about watermelon is my jam and then you make watermelon jam to go on a fried chicken sandwich. And just like you say, taking it all back, but with such joy and generosity. And I I keep going back to the generosity of this book in terms of the personal information. And we talk up front about the dedication and the transparency in that. This structure, you you explained it, Toya, how you saw the whole thing. The architecture of this book is is so complex. Yes. And I kept thinking, how did she do this? Right. And not only is the chronology go through Toya's journey, which are these essays throughout the book that are very personal, but even the head notes, like you go from, you know, the eggs, your dad teaching you how to make eggs, and then the recipes get more complex as your journey gets more complex. And I don't know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable with all this. I'm happy that it's seen. I'm happy. Like in the beginning of the book, I wrote that I want this to knock the dust off a dream waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you one thing that is, is I think hard for creatives is that you might have an idea in your head, but then you go to put it down on paper and sometimes it falls apart. You know, you're grabbing this butterfly and it's beautiful and then you put it on the page and it's dead. And it's like, it's really hard to capture what is so great in your head sometimes to get it down in words. How do you do that? What's your process? I tell everyone, get out the house in my mind. When we started this cookbook, Chris said, what do you need from me? Because I had a crazy, ooh, girl, I had a crazy ass schedule. Ooh, they weren't even pressing me. I just did everything that fast because when she told me what I would have to do to get it to come out the top of Black History Month, I said, oh, we're going to hit that date. Don't worry. What was the timeline? We did almost... It was on the list to do 70 physical recipes to have photos, but we ended, I didn't realize that so many recipes had smaller recipes in it. So I had, yeah. it was a whole component thing. So 
Actually, we did like 80-something recipes in 10 days from the hours of 10 to 3 every day. Me and the food photographer, we both styled the food. The culture stuff, that was done in two days. Everything was done in two days. Wow. So all together, 12 days for that. All combined, maybe a couple months for all of the, the text. Wow. But you got to assemble a team, right, though? Right. You have to assemble a team that understands what your chaos can look like, what your genius looks like. For them... After working with Sam, he can understand that I'm very, we doing this in one take, let's go, you know? And Chris is very technology conservative. He's a technology artist and he's like, we're going to do what in what time frame? Hmm. All right. <laughs> so you just need trust too. Yeah. Were you shooting and producing before the manuscript was completed? Yes. Yes. Wow. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. This is because we talk a lot about, you know, process where you write a manuscript and you submit the manuscript and it goes through editing and then you go to photos. But I'm hearing you say this is all happening at once. Yeah. You are writing, developing the recipes. So from when you said yes to Anne, when did you turn it in? How long did was that process? Well, the contract took forever. That time <laughs> yeah, frame, right. it did take a long time. Yeah, you yeah. know that took forever. But once I'm, I'm telling you, once the money hit the account, I hit the ground running. And and Chris was like, "Okay, so what do you need from me for this to start?" And I told him I made him a list. It was list. It was a list of shit that would make you go, "Girl, what the hell does this have to do with a book?" He had to redo the hedges outside. I needed the walls, everything clean, redone. I needed the cabinets emptied. I needed all new stuff. I needed this to be what I needed to have organization. I needed to have stuff done with the house, stuff decluttered, closets decluttered, all of that stuff. We don't realize as humans, you, you too, you have shit running in the back of your mind all of the time that's taking up creative space. You're not, you're not even thinking about it on your own. You know, it's subconsciously taking up space. So once you empty out the room, you get everybody out, you do this, you do that. You know, um, I bought an, I bought a series of outfits. I wore a black shirt, black apron, black tights every day. I start taking, I start getting space out my mind. You know, I clear that space. I don't deal with bullshit TV shows. I don't do nothing. I don't let nothing pour into me that's not going to, uh, or create a moment that's going to, like peak uh, or be a catalyst for another idea. You know, I don't soak up anything. I don't have crazy conversations. I for damn sure don't listen to the news. You know, like I just, I empty all of that stuff out so I can just, just flow. And that's how I get that done. And another thing, when you said that, you know what we don't do as, as writers, as artists, or just even as women, we don't pat ourselves enough on it. The art you see in my house is my art. That's mine. I got an art room over there across from me. That's my art. This table, I refinished it myself. That's what all of these things, I, everything around my house. And I would suggest for you, like if you have books and stuff like that, blow something up, frame it, put something next to it. You know, whatever like that, like those things, because I did a video recently on Instagram where I said, as a creative, I love seeing my own work because it reminds me that that thing existed in my mind at one point. So that means everything else that I want is in that same room. So I need to remember and breadcrumb myself back to that room so I can know the path. You know, and now I've done that so much that now, you know how there's a shortcut in the field, the grass is gone, 
That's what people walk through. That's what I've done to my mind. You know, mm. we all can do that. So this is wow. cookbook as immersive creative process. You just set your mind. You saw this book, this finished book, this complicated narrative and just created it all at once. Yeah. 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 You got to yeah. get it out. Yeah. If not, shit happened in the middle. You know, you got to get that it out. butterfly it's dies. <laughs> yeah. Like right. stuff happens yeah. in the right. middle. Like I literally went from having an interview with USA Today to like and being happy, posting a funny video of myself on Instagram, pick up the phone and find out my mother doesn't have one aneurysm. She has two and one is terribly mm. dangerous. Oh, mm. my gosh. And then I close the phone and I see that, oh, CBS is sending someone to the house. That's cool. That's nice. I'm like, why well, to pick me up? Close my phone. I get a calendar alert saying I got to go to the hospital with my sister tomorrow. I'm the one taking <gasps> to the hospital. I forgot. That's why it dies. Right, you right. got to do it and just right. get it out. I heighten those senses by consolidating that energy. And that's how it comes through. And it's like, once you do it one time and you realize I really can do this. Yeah, right. it, It's like you're transferring the stress into energy. You're taking it from a negative and turning it into a positive force. Yeah, right. It takes experience to recognize it in yourself, yes. right? Like first you're like, oh, yeah. I have to stop being scared. It's like, no, the fear can feed you. It's like a shake. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going back to your book because I would I could talk to you all day. But you talk about fear in the book. And I think one of the things that you do that's so I use the word generosity before. But like I'm thinking about the essays on the rue, making a rue. Girl, when I wrote that, I thought, oh, yeah, girl, that's it. <laughs> How, I mean, just so you just sat down and wrote that from all your and and you say there's the one thing that everyone leaves out. And that's the fear. Yeah. And this is you talking about recipes about roux. Fear should be yeah. the first thing addressed because yeah. we've all heard stories about the burned roux and how it ruined the gumbo gravy and even the cook's reputation. And so you address fear right on. Right. But you're also as much as you're telling your own story, you're empowering your readers to embrace the fear. Yeah. If you have rice and eggs, you can feed yourself. Yes. These life lessons like this was my journey, but it's not oppressive the way you put your journey on. You share yeah. your journey. And yet these recipes, a lot of them come from your memories growing up. Right. I right. mean, your parents were incredibly resourceful cooks. Yeah. How did you recreate yeah. those recipes? A couple things. When it comes when it comes back to the okra, that's a science. That okra, if you deal with okra and you never thought culinary arts, you couldn't understand why they say culinary arts and science. Yeah. Mm. Okra is a science. And some of the stuff I have to sit inside of her mind. You know, I know how to probe people to find out how they think. But I had to talk to her about flavors for some things or like she did the seven up cake. She came to the house and did it. And that's um, beautiful story. You tell that oh, story. Man, I, I can't not cry thinking about her knowing how intense I am as she's older, you know, as, as things are changing, she's she's more leaning into Toya rest. Mm. Toya, you don't have to do that. Do you have to do that right now? Should you slow down? What are you doing? Did you take a break? Have you painted something? Have you, you know, like like she's that person and she was like, How can I help? And I said, Well, I got I got she asked me what I was doing today and I told her, I said, I'm doing the, the seven up cake or whatever like that. I'm doing that tomorrow. I mean, and she said, Oh, I'm gonna make it for you. And I said, Ma, I don't want you. She has room to arthritis, you know, she's in pain. She got in the kitchen and, and she made it. And it was perfect. I mean, mm. every part of it, it was perfect, mm. y'all. I'm gonna read that head note. Right. Wanna know what really wraps me around the pinky of the seven cupcake? The crumbs. 
I mean, that's just that, that image is, oh, my word, it gets me every time with its crispy brown golden goodness. You capture it. Can you believe that I was afraid to write the book? Because mm. I've, I realized I had so much trauma from school and feeling like and them treating me as if I wasn't smart. And I had to turn my grades into a juvenile judge because that's how bad I was always doing in school. You know, I was always like my mama called doing fine grades, D's and F's, you know. I knew this thing. I, I got as far as I, I am now by holding on to, I know one thing about me, I know I'm talented. I know how to execute hmm. and I'm, I'm good at that. I may not be textbook savvy, whatever. You know, in my mind, I felt that way. And this book really proved to me like, no, like, girl, you're really that bitch. Like, I, I, I can't think of another way to say it. And oh, my God, from from Country Press, this woman could come in town and I would feed her. I would feed her and her family. If she came in town. I wouldn't even question. I would drop everything I'm yeah. doing because she pushed me so hard. She was so firm. And telling me, I need you to go. I need you to go back because I thought, as a novice, I thought that, well, I'm going to write this and then I'm going to turn it in, and you're going to like correct it and send it back, correct it, and I'm going to read it and like boop. And she was like, Mm-mm, the corrections are there. Explain this. I was like, whoa. She stretched me like stretch Armstrong by making me just being firm and I need you to explain this. Give more detail on this. This is unclear. That's And I was like, whoa. I didn't, and it wasn't until I started reading it back when I realized, you know this. You can write. It's not just, you know, it's, and, and I literally, all of those words came from my mm, heart. Yeah. Also just have such clear memories of growing up. Like when you're reading the book, some of these headnotes feel very cinematic where you feel like you're in the room, your mom has her feet up because she's eating her chicken salad. She has her, her seven up and you can feel like, I feel like I'm in that room and I can see it playing out. Do you just have these memories just so clear in your head that you're able to yeah. just recall them? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I visit memories and even what could have been trauma affectionately because I always seek to know all sides of the mountain. And I look and I realize that things are a lot more affectionate than we allow them to be because we don't, we got to try to find the good. If you don't find the good, everything's just going to be bad and that's not emotionally healthy life. I look back at it and I recognize and I respect the gangster of the struggle of being a parent that's struggling and very low income. So, mm. Some of the things in your book that um, I just l really love to highlight, one of the things I think you talk about from your um, your food TV experience, it's keep your ambition tied to the mission, not the benefits. And I think that can go through writing a cookbook, that can go through being a creative, that can go through just living your life. I just thought I want to like kind of frame that and just put it next to yeah. my you know, on my desk so I remember because I think we forget that. We forget. It's mm -hmm. like you think of the benefits. Oh, how many books I'm going to sell or what's going to come next? That's what saves me. That's what keeps me sober. That's what helps me turn down money. Honey, all money ain't good money. The mission will not be compromised. Yeah. One of the things we talked about early in this podcast was that I think this happens for a lot of creatives and book authors is you finish the book and you're done. And with cookbooks, because they're interactive, you can then have this relationship with your readers after mm -hmm. the work is done. You're just starting a relationship right. and it's going to be a different relationship, a different creative process than the making of it, which is very solo with, with your team. But now you get to share. Right. 
I'm very excited. Want to talk about the title Mm -hmm. and where that came from? The title kind of derived from why do you do what you do? I have this saying that I say, if it ain't for the culture, who is it for? Mm. Who is it for? Everything that I do is for the culture. Why are the nails in the shop? Why, why are the clothes? Why is she under the bridge? Why is she like this? Why, whatever. It's our sauce. If I don't show it, who will? If it ain't for the culture, who is it for? I'm cooking for the culture. Like I'm cooking this food. I'm telling these stories. I'm highlighting the culture in a way that even if you thought about it negative, just that one day, just that one day, you're going to think about it right. Hmm. You ain't going to have a rebuttal. Even if you don't want to say something kind, you're going to see. So like all of these things, like I've taken it upon myself and I've had a lot of people like tell me how their children feel when they see me on TV and stuff like, you know, whatever, like name plates in my ear and like all kind of stuff, you know, and it's it's literally for the culture. I want to do my piece. There's a lot of people doing pieces and adding to it and making ways for other people. And I feel like people have kicked the door in for me. So I want to kick the door in for other people. You know, I want to open rooms. Keep kicking it open. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I told somebody breast and jam, said this book made the way for this book. He did a lot of history in his book. Mm-hmm. It was very black. It was more conservative than mine. You know, it was a different view. But his book made a way for my book. And when I saw his book come out, I said, hmm, he's making a way for me. He's an older version of uh, unapologetic. You know, each session, they're able to be more, each session of, of black people as we go down, as we get older and grow are more unapologetic. Like me, I'm super unapologetic, but my children are going to be doozies. You know, they're pistols already. <laughs> we all are just kicking down doors. And I really, when I saw this book, I did think that. I thought, mm-hmm, this is it. I'm sure Anne had something to do with it. We'll have to have Anne on the podcast sometime and, and talk to her a bit more. Sounds like she's doing some amazing work with her authors. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anne, Anne is cool as a fan. I like when I meet people who are different than me, but still let me be me. You know, and, and they gave me a good bit of creative freedom, especially because I think Anne has discernment to know that she can trust me. She gave you the creative freedom. So this book is so authentic and original and truly you. She pushed you to to go further. For those of us who have the joy and pleasure of reading this book, that partnership really made it as exceptional as it is. I know. It's just been so wonderful to talk to you, Toya. It's been wonderful talking to y'all. And just how inspiring. This will be a um, a podcast episode I'll re-listen to anytime I'm feeling a little stuck creatively. I'll just go back. What did Toya tell us? We need a village in every area. We need a village creativity. We need a village in parenting, a village for sure in marriage. We need a village in just being yourself. People that can help and pour and be transparent. Transparency heals. If we can just realize that we're all, no matter how we were brought up, we're woven together in some way. It's about building those kind of bonds. We're all trying to represent our thread in a tapestry. My green highlights your purple or your yellow. So just keeping that in mind and I don't deal with any ego issues. Being egoic does nothing but bring you closer to death. It's dangerous, you know, and and whether it be death physically or just death emotionally in an area or your dreams, you know. So y'all have filled my cup. I'm a big words of affirmation person and y'all have like literally toppled over my cup (laughs) And the ups and downs ain't no joke, but 
a moment like this, man, if I could say my gas tank was on E and then having, you know, someone who can't, that's why I couldn't wait to hear with someone who would know and feel the book because you're yep. putting it out yep. for someone, no matter if your book is a different kind of cookbook and it's not like a memoir, somebody's still going to pick up your book and be inspired. And take it into their kitchen and feed yes. their family. They're going to take, yes. yes. take your book yep. in the kitchen yep. and say, this person is having a bad day. I'm going to make this. That's why food is so important. It's, it follows yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. We, found out, yep. we found out my dad had cancer. I went to the store. I got cupcakes. I got bread. I got banana pudding. I got all kind of stuff. We just laughed at stuff. Nobody said nothing about the news. Go pick up some damn cupcakes. Show up. Laugh. Exactly. Yeah. Make some yeah. eggs and rice. Make some eggs right. and rice. Right. It's good. Yeah. I'm so excited for the book coming out and just wish yeah, you congratulations. all you. good things. Uh, we'll put all your your YouTube, your podcasts in the show notes. Have fun with this release. Do y'all have any advice for that? Because I don't even understand how to enjoy that. Like. I just know how to work. I think what I would do is I'd go back to your the words, like keep your ambition tied to the mission and your mission's in your cover. So I think you're good. You know this better than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. It's a true accomplishment. I'll work on that. Thank you for listening to Everything Cookbooks. If you have something to add to the conversation or a question, contact us through our website, everythingcookbooks.com. Any book mentioned on the show can be found on our affiliate page at bookshop.org. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thanks, as always, to our talented editor, Abby Circatella. Until next time, keep on writing, reading, and cooking. Cooking.